0: off. Yeah. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your Of the Lord that fills the earth with food, He for- Oh, Thank you.
1: good morning I'm getting a little lonely up here (laughs) but the the better-looking ones are are not here today because neither one of them is really well so uh, yeah and and we miss them so uh, but welcome glad you're here we uh, it is great to be together and uh, you know I'm so grateful that despite everything we've done we've still been able to stay open and, and you know, that to me is, uh, I don't take that lightly, because I know other churches that have shut their doors. And uh, that's not us. Um, we're glad we can be here. We have to stay safe. We have to wear masks. We have to wear them properly, too. We don't want any of those chin guard things happening. You've got to keep it up here. So, uh, but thank you for that. I'm the only one that doesn't have to wear masks, because... Some of you need to see my lips moving to make sure I'm actually doing, I'm not just lip-syncing to the sermon or something. Glad you're here. Uh, A couple of announcements to make quickly, uh, things that are coming up. Uh, 30th, two weeks today, we're going to do a bag lunch down in the basement. Bring your own stuff. Uh, We'll probably have my Keurig machine down there and make some tea for those who want it, Uh, but just another opportunity just to gather together, uh, not for always always for a purpose but just the only purpose really being to just have some fun together and and catch up. It just seems like a long time. I think the last time we did one of those was it in November might even have been before that but that's a little too long. So that's two weeks today. Uh, Four weeks today is our annual meeting in uh, February February 13th. Uh, We don't need to announce it this far ahead but just put it on your calendars. We we did make the decision though out of caution, that we will be doing a bag lunch for that as well. So we just feel that we don't know if things change between now and then. We'll we'll let you know in plenty of time. But it looks like we'll we'll have to we'll be cautious and do a bag lunch. Other than that, uh, men men are meeting again at House of James on Tuesday mornings at 10 o'clock. Women are meeting here Tuesday, Ladies Blessings at 10 o'clock Tuesday mornings. And yeah. So that's it. That's the announcements. Somebody said thank you. <laughs> He's still flapping his lips. Uh, we're going to um, actually spend a little bit of time in the prayer in prayer today um, before we head to the sermon. Um, I was looking online of a uh, uh, church out of. I think it was in England, actually. And they were talking about Sunday prayer. And I don't know if Sunday prayer should be that different to every day because, you know, prayer is our communication with God, two-way, not just us saying good things to God, but, but hearing from God, listening, as well as bringing our requests. Uh, this church that I happened to look at said, we have been doing Sunday daily prayers for 1,400 years. 1400 years I hope it's not the same one every week but but we're going to pray and uh, Jesus you know how do we pray Jesus was asked by his disciples and in two of the Gospels it tells us it says he came they came to him and they said he, he talked about how not to pray first he gave them some things don't do it for show don't do it in front of other people to be seen don't don't rattle on and 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 not say anything. But he said, This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And in many of our translations would add, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And so we're going to take the elements of that and just spend a few moments together and, and, and go before the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you are our Father in heaven, as Jesus said. He prayed to his Father, and he gave us this model. And we come to you, our Father. And we say, hallowed or holy be your name. Your name should be lifted up, Lord. You're our creator. You're our redeemer. You're the God of love. You're all these things to us. You're merciful. You're kind. You're just. And your name should be greater. We should tell people about that, and we do. So we say, hallowed, lifted up, holy be your name. We do pray, Lord, that your kingdom would come. We know, Lord, that things are not the way they ought to be here, that there's many things challenging us. But we pray that you're, through your people, that we would be blessings to our community, that we would see your kingdom and your influence in the good that is done and in being more kind and more loving. And we ask for that to happen here too, Lord. We know it's like that in heaven, but we ask for it here. So your kingdom come, Lord. But at the same time, Father, you you know our needs and you know our wants. And we trust you and we ask that you would provide for us every day what we need for this day. Lord, we don't need to stack up 50 years or even seven years of, uh, of, st- of supplies. But we do trust you day by day to give us what we need for this day, um, food, shelter. We pray, Lord, for wisdom. We pray for those other things you give us, for direction, for guidance, for comfort. And Lord, as we think about you and your holiness and realize that the very reason we can pray to you in the name of Jesus is because of his sacrifice for us to atone, satisfy the justice that you require for sin. And we, are, we stand before you forgiven by trusting in him. But we ask you and we, we thank you and ask you to conti- for that continual forgiveness of our debts, but also for the reminder, Lord, that we are to do the same and be that way with other people. Forgive us our debts, Lord, as we have forgiven our debtors. And Lord, there are so many things that can distract us, and tempt us, and draw us away from you and we pray you would guard us from them we know that you will not ever lead us to do something like that but we also know lord you have blessed us with with will and we sometimes do not do what you want and sometimes we do what you do not want we thank you for that forgiveness but we ask you to guard us as we walk through this this earth. And we also pray for protection from the enemy of our souls, the fallen angel who would seek to destroy us, who would seek to um, discourage us, who would seek to um, mess things up and draw our eyes off you. Protect us from the evil one, Lord, because it's all yours. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. That's what we do, and that's why we pray to you. Lord God, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of nights ago, um, we were driving home, uh, and we looked up, and there was, blue, there was clear sky and stars and a moon. And it was just like, I get so excited about that in the middle of winter, you know. Because <laughs> if you live on the West Coast, what you're usually looking up at is gray. And if you're outside, you've got to watch so you don't get the rain in your eyes when you do it. But I was looking up. It reminded me of, of you know to look up in the stars and just marvel at that creation. In the late 1990s, a movie came out called October Sky. Uh, We've we've seen it. It was was great, 1998 or 1999, I think. It's the true story of a man named Homer Hickam. That is not a household name, but uh, Homer Hickam, he grew up in a mining town called Coalwood, West Virginia. Now, most of the people in the town had been miners, and their fathers had been miners, And their fathers had been miners, generations of them. The accepted wisdom in that little town, rural town, was that a son, and maybe nowadays even a daughter, would would literally follow in their father's footsteps and become a coal miner. The only exceptions to that were the fortunates who, who had a little talent and could make it to college on a football scholarship. Not Homer, though. He had another dream. One night in October of 1957, he looked up and he saw Sputnik going across the sky. It was the first satellite launched by the Soviet Union, first satellite to successfully orbit the Earth and stay up. (laughs) That event, watching that, changed his life forever. He started dreaming about, about flying rockets. And he and some of his friends started trying to build them and eventually they got mocked for it, they got discouraged, uh, they, hit, they hit some adversary. There was pressure to conform to the community's expectations, which were, look, you're just going to be a coal miner anyway, stop playing with these toys. But they persisted. Um, they became known, as they're called um, in derisive way, rocket boys. And October Sky is actually an acronym, it's, it's the same letters turned around, which I thought is kind of an interesting little t- piece of trivia. But. Their highest achievement, if you'll pardon the pun, was they actually eventually launched a rocket that got to a height of 30,000 feet. That's about 10,000 meters, almost 10,000 meters. And he went on to a career at National Aeronautics and Space Administration in the United States, NASA, and was an aerospace engineer for 27 years. Retired in 1998. Well, Homer ended up living his dream. How about you? Are you living the dream? Is this what you wanted to do? Have you ever, have you ever had a God-inspired dream for your life? Or, or dreamed God's dream for our church? And Have you been able to live it out? If you're a believer in Jesus, you and I have the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit speaks to us. In the Old Testament, the prophet Joel said in the end times, God would pour out his spirit on all people and by his spirit, he said, you and I will dream dreams and have visions. Wow. Uh, Maybe your dream was about using your God-given gifts to serve Jesus and others. Maybe it's the dream of being part of a dynamic, life-giving church empowered by the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's sharing Christ in the marketplace or in the food court at the local mall. Maybe it's seeing your kids and grandkids come to know Jesus and serve him. Unfortunately, many people who, who have that kind of dream for their lives have also had those dreams fade and sometimes they even die. Uh, Unforeseen tragedy, whether through trauma or abuse or being worn down by the circumstances of life, failure, those can bring dreams to a premature end. Uh, Thinking about what we just went through in the valley here this fall, far greater than than the economic losses were the the dreams that were just broken by things like the the atmospheric river and the flood on the Sumas prairie uh, you, you can't help but weep when you listen to to farmers surveying the damage, talking about the 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 animals that they lost and and, and seeing their life's work in some cases wiped out in hours when when dreams become nightmares and hope for the future seems lost how do we let ourselves dream again when our dreams seem to crash all around us sometimes we stop dreaming about the future because we don't want to set ourselves up for more disappointment now I don't think that's right but I think that's reality for many people but what if What if God wanted to resurrect those dreams and bring them into focus again? What if God wants something different and births a new dream? Sometimes old dreams have to die for the new ones to be born. I believe Jesus even said that in Scripture. He said a seed has to fall to the ground and die for the plant to grow. Yeah, this series we're doing is called Radical Transformation uh, for a reason. And it's just this, if we can remove some of the barriers that hold us back and, and then allow the Lord to speak to us as we spend time in the scriptures, we can and will be radically transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's a promise of God, Romans 12, 1 and 2. But when we do that, our dreams will be reawakened or awakened. new ones maybe. My my dream is actually that we'll dream again, that we won't say, well, what do you do? Just go on automatic and live. No, I can't do that. Can't do that. This week, we're going to take on one of the major obstacles, uh, and that is painful pasts. We're going to look at and see what God accomplished through one man from the Old Testament, actually, that, um, who followed an assignment from God, even though he didn't think he could do it. And he lived in a time... Yeah, it's from the book of Judges, and we're going to be reading there, Judges chapter 6 in the Old Testament. Uh, we're going to look at the story of Gideon today. Gideon lived during a really difficult time in Israel's history. Uh, God's plan for them was that they were going to... Um, he wanted Israel to be a theocracy, God to be the head of state. But they were kind of like most of the nations around them. They want, he wanted them to be a nation governed by God. But ultimately, Israel was going to demand to have a king like the other nations around them. Gideon lived before that time, but it was a chaotic time. In Israel's history where everybody basically did what they wanted to or as, as Judges 21-25 finishes with the end of the story says everyone did as they saw fit. In Israel in those days Israel did, had no king everyone did as they saw fit. Intermittently during that time people would seek the Lord and when they did God would raise up judges local leaders to help Pulled them out of the turmoil they were in. Helped rescue God's people. Unfortunately, and if you read your Old Testament, you know, the deliverance from their enemies didn't last because all too soon the cycle would start over and Israel again would do evil in the eyes of the Lord. So they got into this sin cycle it was it was a sin cycle they they would here's how it went they they would turn away from god they would sin and you know even back when moses had the people in the desert he went up the mountain to meet with god and within hours or minutes of him going they were already starting to drift but the, so the people would sin they would forget god and begin doing what they wanted or taking things into their own hands the then the result of that, that they would end up being oppressed. They'd end up being in bondage, uh, under uh, either f- physical or, or political oppression from the nations around them. When that became intolerable, eventually they would cry out to God in prayer, begging God for help, and at the time, and really confessing that they'd gotten away and asking God to help. And then God would rescue them. God would save them. And he would raise up a leader or a judge who would help them get free from those enemies. That's the background here. That's the context for the story here. Uh, Gideon was one of those leaders. And his story is actually the longest of the judges in, in the book. It takes up three chapters. Chapters 6, 7, and 8 are all about Gideon. Uh, Please, if you will, turn to Judges chapter 6, and uh, we're going to read part of it, and then talk a bit, and then read a little bit more. Judges 6, just after the song of Deborah, who was another judge. Uh, Okay, 6 verse 1, New International. "The, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys, all their livestock. They came up, with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian, was so, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. They did evil. Seven years oppressed by this coalition of these three nations. We don't know the other eastern peoples. It just kind of lumped them together. Uh, but talk about pests. This is more than just a, a couple of stink bugs or termites in your house. They, they would they, they would raid Israel. They would destroy everything that was planted. They'd kill Israel's livestock. They'd, so So God sends them this prophet to remind them of why it happened and of their own disobedience and the message when he recounts everything from egypt to that point he's his message he's giving them is i did this for you but you haven't listened every ever when you have kids we we try to raise them to be responsible and sometimes being responsible means they have to understand Logical consequences of their actions. I think that's a little bit what's happening here. But God hadn't abandoned them. The people could only, but they really had to accept responsibility for what had happened. They hadn't listened. They'd rebelled. And their sin had brought about the judgment. So let's continue at verse 11. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiez, Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if, if the Lord is with us, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. If Gideon and his people had any dreams, they had died at this point. That life was simply a matter of survival for them they were living in fear they were cowering they were hiding from the invaders in caves and when the angel of the lord came to gideon what was he doing he was threshing wheat in a wine press that's not where you usually thresh wheat but a wine press is hidden enough that you could do it and maybe hide from the midianites my goodness I think Gideon was ground down a little bit like the grain but before God could use him he was going to have to overcome that and that feeling he had about himself that pain if if we're going to do if we're going to overcome our experiences bad experiences painful pasts and be set free to dream what God wants to dream through us. Then like Gideon, we need to see ourselves from God's perspective and embrace that new identity that God gives us. Um, here's, here's what Gideon, this was Gideon from God from his own perspective. Maybe the next one here. Is this working? Here we go. Here's Gideon. I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody from a nobody tribe in one of the smallest tribes bent of, uh, of Israel. When, and, and the angel greets him. He does, you would not, in listening to his answer, this is not a man who is full of hope and faith. He said, no, he said, if, if the Lord's with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders? The Lord has abandoned us. They're living in fear of their enemies. But God wants to challenge him to dream about what it will be like to be free from that oppression and how he'll get there. Why is all this happening to me? Boy, do we get stuck here? (laughs) A friend (laughs) who was joking at the time, but but he summed up. He said, a lot of times, he, and he had a lot of challenges. He went through and he says, I look at what I've gone through and I, go, I went through and one thing to the next and everything seems to be worse and I look up and I say, why me, Lord? <laughs> and you had to know this fellow to understand his sense of humor, he says. God said, well, because sometimes you just tick me off. <laughs> and he knew that wasn't true. But he, he always went for the punchline. He had a delightful sense of humor. But we do that. Why me? Why is this happening? And a painful past can blind us and make it impossible for us to even dream about the future, especially if we're stuck in one. A painful past will blur our vision. We'll be unable to see any hope for the future if all we can see is what we're going through or the pain that we've gone through. And when all we see is failure or the pain of yesterday, we read it, And that can become like a script that informs our life today and tomorrow. Nothing's going to change, so why try? Gideon was paralyzed by fear. God was challenging him to a a new dream. But he was so focused on what had happened and what they were going through that it blinded him from seeing what God wanted to do. Has that ever happened to you? happened to me. It's, it's just all too easy to give up and to stop trying because our perspective gets so distorted by those past events. Those, those failures. I don't know if I ever want to do this again. I know what happened last time I tried. Those kind of things. Past pain and failure is, can, can like brand our hearts, sear us. And and give us a a false sense of identity that we only, and and we see only, we just see the scar. We just see what's gone through us, what's happened. That's why I'm so glad to know that God sees us differently. (laughs) Here's Gideon from God's perspective. A mighty warrior. What? What? Or as we'd say today, wait, what? (laughs) So here's Gideon, threshing wheat in a wine press, always looking over his shoulder, hiding from his enemies. And the angel says, The Lord's with you, mighty warrior. (laughs) Huh? What? You're talking to me? That's irony. (laughs) Because <laughs> Gideon's hiding behind bushes and he's hiding around corners and God calls him a mighty warrior. Who are you? And by what identity do you operate? Is it the one that's informed by a painful past? Or is it about what God, by what God says about you and who you are in him? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God sees you in Christ. God sees you as his sons and daughters. God sees you and me as mighty warriors. Don't you, don't you just feel like that? Don't you just feel like strapping on the, the sword and the shield? No. God sees us in Christ as capable of great things. Paul lived with that perspective. That was God's perspective. Paul even said at at the tail end of his letter to the church at Philippi, he said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I, I wonder how different our days would look if we saw ourselves through God's lens and not the lens of our own failures or hurts. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God didn't see Gideon as a nobody. He didn't see Gideon as a weakling. He saw Gideon in what he would become, a strong and mighty warrior, a powerful warrior. He gave Gideon a new identity. He didn't see him as a nobody or a weakling. I, I don't know if you noticed, but God doesn't actually answer Gideon's complaints. He doesn't. Really. He doesn't get the answer to the why questions except to say you didn't listen. And then you can do the arithmetic. He focuses on something that Gideon might have missed. He's told him what he wants him to do. And instead of answering the why questions, he says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Whoa. Whoa. So not not only do we need an awareness of our God-given identity, he's saying you can overcome that past by living, in the new identity Romans as we talked last week Romans 12 do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you have with Christ Jesus with the indwelling spirit he's saying Gideon stop your complaining I've given you a new identity now get up and act like the name that I've given you and not like the one you what you've done in the past oh pep talk true i think there are times when god will act in a powerful way and then call us to act that's what the story in exodus at the red sea he parted the red sea and after seeing god's power the people walked through that dry and on dry land it didn't say on on a little bit of uh, water. It said on dry land with confidence. But there are other times that God calls us to act first and then we will see him work in power. And another example of that from the Old Testament is when they had finished the time in the desert and they were about to enter the the, the promised land and cross the Jordan River from east to west into what is now Israel. And that point, that time, the water in the river, which was at freshet stage, we know from the time of year it happened, so it was at flood stage, didn't cease until the moment the priests of Israel in faith set foot in the river. And then the Bible says that the water piled up and they had their path to walk across but they had to step out first. God called Gideon to act in a way that was contrary to the way he was feeling, for sure, and, and contrary to his past experience. I think God does that with us, too. He says, act with act in obedience. Even when we seem weak, even when we seem weak, don't let the past become an, an alibi for, in, for not, not acting. Don't blame God. Stand in faith and live according to your new identity. And you're probably all thinking, easy for you to say that, pastor. But what I am saying is, yeah, we need to act on the basis of who we are in Christ. Honestly, if you had told me a little over 40 years ago now, That someday I would be doing this for the majority of my career I would have looked at you and said man what have you been smoking and yet it was what God wanted one of the best exercises I have ever done uh, myself and with people is to go through the scriptures and write down what God says about me as his child. The names he has given me. Uh, I'm not the first person to do this. Uh, a generation ago, uh, a, a pastor writer named Neil Anderson, of a ministry called Freedom in Christ Ministries, wrote them in a book. The book is called The Bondage Breaker. And, and, I, and there's lists at the back of the book that have three headings with 11 Scriptures each, and the top of the book it says, Who am I in Christ? Who I am in Christ it says I am accepted in Christ. And there's eleven scriptures that show that. I am secure in Christ. Eleven more scriptures from the New, Mostly New Testament that show that. Uh, and third, I am significant in Christ. The challenge I have been given, I had been given was to read those every day and read them to myself out loud to remind myself who I am in Christ not what I feel like today not well I can't do that because this happened to me in the past uh, 33 new testament scriptures god telling us his dear children how he sees us and how he treats us and and that these these are just such a great reminder that we are new creations in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I, it, I don't have time to read them all out, but I'm going to make them available if you want. I, uh, I can get you a one page handout of them on, if you, by request. If you want to just let me know, I'll be happy to do that for you. So getting overcoming these things... Means to accept and adopt this God-given identity, and then start living it out. Now, I would like to think that that's all we have to do. But unfortunately, you and I are a lot like Gideon. When God gave Gideon that new name and told him to act based on his new identity, what did he do? He still made excuses. Lord, I I can't save Israel. My family's the weakest, and I'm the least of my family. I'm the runt of the litter. God, you need someone stronger than me. (sighs) Hmm. The things that we've been through can run or ruin our lives if we allow them to. Uh, Even though we don't give those things permission, they can define us we begin to think that that's who we are because of what has happened to us. We're damaged. We're, we're subhuman. And those things can define us and those things can shape us and those things can make our life a misery, a misery if they've been painful. And we can't go back and rectify all those painful things that we've been through. Some physically we simply can't. Some were inflicted by people who aren't even here anymore. But we, neither can we ignore them or deny and go into denial that they ever, ever happened or deny that even in a small way they still affect us. And we can't allow them to become barriers to what God wants to do in us and then through us. There is a way forward. Uh, and, and the, there's, there's, this is four, four points here. We'll go through them fairly really quickly here. Uh, the first is simply, we need to allow God to be God in our life. You're going, well, thank you, Obvious. But what I mean is this. That, that's a convoluted way of saying that we really need to surrender to God. So we need to give God control of the things that control us. Maybe what we need to do is similar to Gideon. We need to admit that we can't handle them on our own. That's what he did to God. He said, Lord, I just don't feel I can do that. But God didn't take that as an, okay, I'll find somebody else. No, he said, no, go in the power you do have, and I'm sending you. God already knows what you've been through. Nothing's going to surprise him. I think admitting that those things are there might be one of the hardest parts of the process. To say things like, Lord, I'm paralyzed with fear. Fear about my future. Lord, I'm I'm holding on to resentment over something a family member did to me. Lord, I'm shattered by the trauma I went through as a kid. And my heart races every time something like that happens to me. My heart just about pounds out of my chest. Lord, I'm disillusioned because I've fallen on my face so many times. Lord, this is one of the worst. I'm cynical and I'm angry and I'm negative because of my experience. But I don't want to live this way any longer. I surrender these things to you. That's what it means to let God be God in your life. Let him be the leader. Let him be the Lord. He is the Lord. Let him be your Lord. Second, um, it is a very good to seek godly counsel from somebody who can help. God, can't, God can work through a, a trusted friend or a trained counselor or, or a supportive group of people who have experienced similar things. Sometimes we we feel like we're the only person in the whole world that this has ever happened to. You ever had that feeling? I'm sure we all thought it. You're the only person who's ever had to go through this. But we are not. And and shame can be a big factor in this, and it's often undeserved. Shame keeps us silent. Pride keeps us silent. Don't allow pride to get in the way of, and admit to admitting our need to God. You know, in a sense, there is strength in numbers when we realize that we aren't alone and we join others on a path to healing. Um, it has to be a trusted person. You know, you just don't go spilling this to everybody. As somebody said, if you're in a, you in know, a, in, a, in shark-infested waters, don't bleed. Yeah but seek counsel. Start the healing. Third, (laughs) a small one. Forgive those who have hurt you. That might be very difficult. And yet, we, as the Lord's Prayer said, we who are forgiven must choose to forgive those who have trespassed against us this is difficult i'm not kidding i'm not going to kid about that this one's costly because to forgive them means from your point of view to release them but releasing them does not mean they're not going to be accountable for what they've done not in any sense But what it will do by forgiving them, it will release its hold on you. And it will allow you to love again and even love them the way Jesus says we are to love each other. I, I know this week in the news there was a story about an Egyptian Canadian man who just spent most of the last 10 years or 15 years in prison. He went there to visit a family and was accused of crimes. What the rest of the story you're not hearing in many of the reports is that he was swept up in a, in a movement largely against Christians and that this man was a Christian. And what they couldn't figure out in prison, even though he was treated so terribly, was why he still tried to be pleasant to the people that were there. He tried to love them. Jesus says we're to love each other. And the way he loved us is the way he said we're to love each other. And the way he loved us was to give his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love each other as I have loved you. You are also to love each other. By this they will know we are his dis- you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Don't get stuck at this point. If you need help, ask. Final point. Um, Having done these things, step out. Live with an awareness, awareness of God's abiding presence with you. He is with you. He is with you. Gideon told God he didn't have the ability to save Israel. And he was right. On his own, he didn't. He felt that his past was holding him back. He felt unimpressive tribe, weak clan, weak as Lincoln, his own family. Couldn't do it. God said, I will be with you. In other words, no more excuses, Gideon. I will be with you. That is a promise that is repeated over and over in Scripture. You are not alone. We are not alone. God is with us. Jesus has given us this promise. Gideon didn't ever see himself as a mighty hero, but God did. Now, as followers of Jesus, we need to remember God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Seeing ourselves that that way Seeing ourselves the way God sees us and then living with that confidence uh, we can accomplish and we will accomplish more and far more than we could ask or even think. Yeah. Let's pray. Wow. As always, Lord, to do what you ask, there is a cost. For some of us, it might be releasing things to you that we have held on to far too long. And why we hold on to them, Lord, we may not even know the reasons. But we want to give those things to you, and we want to see ourselves the way you see us, and we want to be those people that dream dreams and have visions. We want to see those people. And we say, Lord, use us. We are just regular folks, ordinary people. Use us for your glory. But, Lord, we want to be willing servants, willing to do that. And so, Lord, here we are. Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord, send me. We kind of echo that, Lord. Here we are. Use us. What the reasons you want to, Lord we can accomplish greater things than we could ask or even imagine. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: is whole.